You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast brought to you by Dead Soxie and Soonerscoop.com. So welcome in, welcome in. It is Bedlam week. Uh, we have Bedlam. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I started talking about Bedlam uh, yesterday morning on the radio, and it was a pretty deep diving discussion about uh, the advantages, the disadvantages, this and that. And it was the first time I realized, like, holy shit, there's a really big game going on this weekend. Maybe you guys have felt that way ever since Iowa State was over. But yep. Tuesday, November 23rd is when I finally realized wow, we have a haymaker, you know, a, Don, a Donnie Brook getting ready to take place this weekend. Yeah, I don't I think, think people really felt that with the rankings coming out. I know as much as we all think that show is garbage, when you see 10 OU, 7 Cowboys, that lets people know, like, this is a little bit different. We've had some good ones, no doubt, last, like, 15 years or so. But, you know, to have a top 10 showdown that, and you can say still playoff, you know, scenarios Implications. are alive, especially yeah. for the Cowboys, but even for the Sooners. Yeah, th- this is a big one. I don't know for me that it, that it was, that it settled in any time here recently, but literally right before we were potting, I was talking with some buddies and I think I'm figuring out where I come out on this game. <laughs> like, it was kind of those ones like, I don't, you know, like, I, I, I was kind of through the week making cases, but as I listened to them talk and kind of going back and forth, I was like, oh, okay, I, I think I know where I'm at on this game. And I, I don't know that I'm making a ton of fans at the end of this podcast. <laughs> I, I, a Donnie I, will, Brook. I will say this. You like that one? You can use a that. Donnie one. Brook. I, that that's a very like 1920s uh, reporter type guy. Isn't oh that? yeah, uh, that's exactly where it comes Johnny, from. Yeah, that, I like that. that. It makes me think of Letterkenny, being the Letterkenny fan that I am. That's uh, the Canadian hockey guys talking that crap. They use Donnie Brook a lot. Oh, they like Donnie Brook. Yep, yeah, that, that's that's a popular one. Uh, so I here's where I think it is. It is, I think none of us thought that OU had a chance in hell of winning this game this weekend. The way the offenses looked the last two weeks. Uh. And I don't know who it is that's doing this to me. Somebody's giving me hope, like that this could happen. Not LSU hope, right? Like, no, <laughs> my God. Yeah, maybe it's just the fact that I want to get away from the Bob Stoops to Florida and the Lincoln Riley to LSU rumors for a little bit, and just just enjoy, you know, getting ready for a really big football game. And like, I, I just think to- it's a. 
like trying to make it like it it actually is possible for us to see something amazing this weekend. Carrie, a little bit of it has to be just the history of this game. I think that there's so many times that Oklahoma has gone either up to Stillwater or they've hosted OSU and on paper, you would think there's no way OU is going to win this game. In I think 2013 is kind of the, the main talking point for a lot of Oklahoma fans. But at the same time, I just I I look at it this way, and you look at like kind of the three key bullet points. I find Oklahoma to be a very undisciplined football team. They make the mistakes in the wrong times. It seems like repeatedly. Uh, you look at Caleb Williams and the way that he's played on the road, whether it be in Lawrence or Waco, and Remember how much he struggled in the first half in Lawrence. I just don't think that he's gonna. They're gonna be able to flip the script all of a sudden in a game with this importance, uh, with the environment that they're walking into. Uh, just you kind of lay everything out on the table, and it's like, and then you start really looking for reasons of how this offense can start moving the football. And it just seems like it's a big ask going against a defense that uh, is seemingly a bunch of grown ass men. It's not a, a defense that is, uh, you know, I guess in 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 ways like even under uh, Spencer, Glenn Spencer is like they they would they would just get the the turnover when they needed it. This is a suffocating Oklahoma State defense, and I just don't know if Oklahoma is going to all of a sudden be able to wake up. I, I guess I've tried to talk myself into thinking that Oklahoma can win this game, but it, every time I get to like the end of talking myself into thinking that they can. I just, I don't know. I get like a sense of reality hit me right in the face and it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm just trying to believe in something that's not there. Let me ask you a question. Um, and uh, I just trust Spencer Sanders more than Caleb Williams is like that. And that doesn't mean whoa. that I think that that's a wild that I sentence. Kay- <laughs> I know, I know. No, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, it's, it's a wild thing to think. I, I, I agree. Well, I mean, look. Caleb Williams is a true freshman. I mean, no, yeah. I mean, the, wake the up. Uh, he's a true freshman. Everybody that's bitching about Caleb Williams, he's a true freshman. I don't know if you got the note on that, but that's what he is. Like, he was going to have some growing pains, and he's going through them right now. By the way, well, I'm not shitting I, yeah, on him. Question. I just, Spencer Sanders is, I mean, like, that, <laughs> to me, when I look at this game, and I, because uh, I'm always like, Spencer okay, Sanders what's the path? Well over the last five weeks. Yes, you would admit that he has. Right? He has against Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, and Texas Tech. I mean, you you could argue there were some games that some OU quarterbacks didn't play that well against those defenses, but yeah. you know that that's you know neither here nor there. TCU and Tech aren't aren't two of them now. Yeah, fair enough. The <laughs> the thing I mean, well, and those were both in Norman, which I I think we've seen there is a variance there. Um, TCU is in Stillwater. But my my deal oh, is they scored sixty three. So when you look at this game, what what's the path for Oklahoma? I I, I don't see them scoring thirty one. Like this isn't going to no, just suddenly the offense is going to click. They absolutely have to win a grinder. I mean, there's yep. no other. They're not going to score more than twenty four points in this game. I mean, even and though Iowa wanna... State scored twenty four on them, uh, they they did that on the road. You know. Uh, in the, or Iowa State did that in their home stadium, uh, but since then, three by Kansas, three by West Virginia, seventeen by TCU, and zero by Texas Tech. So, I, I will say, like that's very impressive. But again, the last team worth the shit that they really played, they lost to. 
That's fair. And who, that's where who you beat last week. That argument about OU's been building up to this by playing Baylor and Iowa, Iowa State. State. Yeah. And so the the shock reality of playing Baylor's defense might have been legit coming off the games that they had done. But now, okay, it's like we've seen two incredible defenses. Here's the third. All right, we know exactly what well, we're remember, getting into. Remember the first series against Baylor? Just how much that offensive oh. line got blown up? How ridiculous they! It looked like they were they, the JV team for OU showed up to start that game. Like they were not ready for that defense that day. Now, are they more ready? Oklahoma State's a different level. They're they're a better defense, but that still they're not going from Texas Tech to Oklahoma State. Yeah, and I mean, and Texas Tech did a pretty good job with Oklahoma State last week. That's actually the game I'm using for under the hood, going you know kind of over that one. So there, there were some good moments for Tech in that game defensively. Now offensively, they could do nothing. So uh, you know th- that. But what I was getting at is, okay, you've got to decide like what's the point total OU has to get to to win. Like what's the bare minimum that you think Oklahoma can hold Oklahoma State to? I to me. 20 is probably about right. Like, I don't see Oklahoma State being held under that. Like, I think they'll find some plays. Their running game's good enough. They'll do some things. They'll they'll score some points. I don't think they're going to go crazy. I think OU's defense is, is peaking at the right time. So that that's a that's a vote for them. But at the same time, I, I just struggle to find enough plays for Oklahoma offensively when Caleb Williams averaged less than five yards per pass attempt last week. Guys, that's Kansas-level bad. Oh, nobody's trying to say I, he was good. I don't think. I mean, it was, it was awful. Uh, and against a secondary that has some vulnerabilities. That's not what you say about Oklahoma State. Let's let's. There's been so much, and I, I do want to talk about you know Oklahoma offensively and what they're going to have to do. I think they're going to have to be able to run the ball. They're going to have to be able to average over – you know, three and a half yards of carry, I would think, if they want to have any chance of being able to win the game, you're not going to drop Caleb Williams back 40 times and win this football game. But I, I, you, you did say something that I think is probably being overlooked a little bit, and it's because Oklahoma State's so good defensively. This is an Oklahoma defense that has made steps in the last three weeks. And if you're talking about a path that Oklahoma can win the football game, you have to have the Perrin Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Jalen Redmonds of the world turn in the type of game that they played a week ago against Iowa State. Uh, how 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 good was that group last week, Josh? The defensive front, they were unbelievable. Like guys, I I, 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 I tweeted something out. Jalen Redmond had one eighth of Oklahoma's total quarterback hurries for the season last week. That's a that's just a crazy stat when you think about all the talent they've got. Perry on Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, all these guys that can make plays. Uh, you know, to, for him to have had that kind of game. And guys, we talked about it while they were gone. And last week, I thought was the perfect embodiment. Delarin Turner, Yale, Woody Washington, and Jalen Redmond have changed that defense. They look like the guys we thought we were going to see all year. That Woody Washington's playing great football. Jalen Redmond playing great football. I think Delaron Turner Yale's playing the best football of his career right now. He is. So he is. there is there there's there are things you can buy into, but it just feels like and, and maybe that's what it is. I'm so used to OU having a little margin for error, and there's none. 
They're, 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 they have to play a clean game, which we haven't seen them do all year. And, and that's where all these things that we think we know about this team suddenly have to be wrong. And that, that's what concerns me. The one number that kind of sticks out to me, and it's, it's it, you, if you want to have success against Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State offensively, I think that you know it's pretty obvious you want to get him in third and long and make Spencer Sanders beat you with his arm. Uh, last two weeks, 11 tackles for loss against Baylor, 11 tackles for loss against Iowa State. It is a defense that does seem to be moving in the right direction. If you can force a couple turnovers – then you give your offense an opportunity. And, you know, Bob and I were talking about this this morning. It's like you just don't want to get into the situation that you saw in Waco where now you're in a tight game in the fourth quarter, but that defense has been out there for 75-plus mm-hmm. snaps or something. I mean, you look at what OU's defense has done through three quarters and back-to-back weeks. It's the fourth, you know, the fourth quarter has been, you know, tough in both of those games. But those first three quarters, with a typical OU offense, you think that's an easy win. And you can't expect them to do that three times in a row to where they're just lights out for three quarters, but you haven't been able to separate from at, on the scoreboard yet. And thank God that, I, that, warning Josh, this might send you into PTSD triggers, but thank God that Oklahoma State doesn't have a uh, cowboy back that they can use like Charlie Cola. Oh, God. Yep. I'm gonna just <laughs> some of the uh, the Monday morning ha- stuff that was up on the board this week. I was I was legitimately laughing out loud at some of the breakdowns that you had there in the fourth quarter with uh, Charlie Kohler v Justin Broyles. It, guys, at some point, it's just not fair to Justin Broyles. Like, the, there's no reason for him to be in some of the situations he's in, and. Again, it. I mean, we don't we don't have to get into that because we they've crossed that bridge. And like you said, Oklahoma State doesn't bring that problem to the table for Oklahoma. But uh, I mean, again, it was clear what Oklahoma State was going to do. Or excuse me, Iowa State was going to do on that last drive, and Oklahoma did nothing to address it. Just nope, we're going to let it be until they got down inside the red zone. Or I guess I think it was at the twenty-one. And let it happen. And they were okay with it, it seemed like. They, like, on, they on that, like what if Iowa State had done that all four quarters? <laughs> yes. No shit. Or had yes. a quarterback that could get him the ball the entire game. I mean, For even all the, the genius drive, of, anybody else but Brock Purdy, probably OU loses that game. How many times have well, we sat here? Go go look at that fourth down, Eddie. Right. And He's wide open. Chase Allen wide is open. wide open. That is a Caleb Williams at eight of eighteen. Caleb Williams completes that pass, and he he either walks into the end zone or he clearly gets the first down. There, there's no there's no other way around that. And I just and if they're I can't first and goal from the nine yard line with yep you know twenty seven seconds left. There's no doubt. We talked. Carrie and I talked about it on the post game pod. There's zero doubt in either of your minds that if they score a touchdown there, you're going for two, right? A hundred percent. They did it. Two the two years pre uh, prior, sure. yeah, and, and I mean, I think everybody knew what they were going to do. You throw it to Chase Allen or Charlie Kohler. I mean, it's pretty obvious on the two point conversion. Now it's all hypothetical because it's going back sure. in history and can't change that. But I don't know. It's just like the the fourth quarter things over the last couple of weeks has been concerning. But it all comes back to an offense that is having an inability to stay on the football field. Is that is that as simple as it is? 
I think so. I mean, guys, they had a chance to ice that game away and just got just kind of like that first series against Baylor was their last real drive against Iowa State when they tried to run the ball and everybody's like, oh, yeah, they ran the ball well. Eh, yeah, they, they pick their moments well. Okay, I would say it's got five guys in the box. Run. That, that's, that's just numbers. That's just math. When that, Iowa that State said you can't run the ball, it, it didn't happen. When they put six that, or that, seven in the box, nothing. That, that previous drive, they go five plays, 68 yards. It's all gray and Brooks, and you think they've got it. And then I think what on that first down, they try to get a little cute with Caleb running it. And then that just kind of just blew that last drive up. I know Kennedy Brooks put himself at fault, I think, for a second down run. I didn't quite see it. But, yeah, that you know, that was very disturbing because you sort of knew, all right, they're going to have to do it again. They're have to, it's a one-possession game. Defense going to have to make a play once again. We didn't think we'd be here at 21-7, 28-14. But, yes, we are going to need one more defensive sort of you know highlight play in the final seconds and it all goes back in kind of my opinion to another trigger point i'm sorry josh warning the (laughs) inability to put a team away when you have the momentum you're up 21 to 7 and then you give up the most inexplicable fake punt in maybe the history of oklahoma football it was there was nobody within 25 yards of the guy I rewatched it. There was only one player. It was Jackson Sumlin was the only guy that yeah. realized what was going on. He's the only guy that saw it, and yeah. he deserves credit because he did see it, but he's the only dude that responded. But it's for, I mean, Jackson Sumlin versus 10 other guys <laughs> trying to get to yep, the punter. Yeah. Right? It was, they had no shot. That was closer to being a touchdown happened. than OU stopping it. Yeah. I wondered if anybody was ever going to turn around. <laughs> Guys, and, and, and I, again, I the, realize... The, the crazy part about all of it, they don't even return the f***ing punt anyways. So what are they doing yep. running back there to set something up? For the first time this season. I, I admit in my initial rage, that didn't even cross my mind. And then I was like, "What? Well, you're absolutely... I heard you guys talking about the post game, and I'm like, they're exactly right. Like, the, There's no... Why are you trying to set something up when they're... I mean, guys, <laughs> what would you say? In the mathematical probabilities, in that scenario... It's got to be better than 50% chance that Matt Campbell's running a fake punt there. I mean, like, there's coming, no way the that's not quarter. a consideration. And, and not to mention, Josh, a team that has already proven that they're willing to go for it on fourth down or at least kind of go a little bit outside the box. I mean, they were going for it on fourth and one from their own 19 in the second quarter. I mean, yeah. guys, this, are, this Iowa State, State team. The returner first For the first time this season. So this is the perfect time, right? Mm. Uh, that that's up there with the Tyreek Hill repunt for me. Like that is inexcusably bad. And I honestly, I think it's worth. I, I have found in my time excuses for the Tyreek Hill thing. I can find no reason why this there. There's no scenario when that should have happened. It, I mean, if they make a great play and you get beat, okay, fine. You were, but to not be prepared for what was clear. I mean, guys, this isn't one of those deals where like, oh, my girlfriend, you know, she was calling the plays. No, legitimately, people that don't know football that well can do the math and say, well, they they need to keep the ball here. Like they they've got to go try to find something. They're not going to have that many more possessions. Like it it wasn't 
hard to foresee. Did he go like 40 yards? Like, because he's, four, he's 14 yards back when he gets the snap. Did he go like 40 yards of not being touched? I think it was a 17 yard gain. Maybe it was 14. I'd have to go back and look at the play by play. It's a lot of something work. That I, something that I asked Bob this morning, and I, we literally could not think of it. Has Lincoln Riley ever faked a punt or a, or a field goal since taking over? I don't think that he has. I don't think Oklahoma has run a fake field goal or punt under Lincoln Riley. Well, the most famous one I can think of happened in Stillwater, so maybe it's the perfect time. I mean, not of his, but the most famous field <laughs> goal I can it, think of was... How it came out. We were talking about the green uh-huh. team with the honeycut. Oh, I don't God, think that, that he poor... has. Now, you could argue that they really haven't been in positions where they've needed to. Sure. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Maybe they throw something... Like, I think to win this game, it's kind of like 2013. It's kind of like 2015. They're going to need a big play in special teams somehow, some way. I don't know if it's a, a Michael Turk flip the field type punt. Uh, you know, Gabe Burkich has to pull his head out of his ass. I, I, I here's I my know. theory: what we need to do for Gabe Burkich, we need to find that shoe that he kicked the burrito with. We need to um, shred edible portions of it that are not going to harm him, and he has to put that shoe in a burrito and then eat it, or pieces of that shoe. I think that's a way to take the curse off the leg. I think. Killing Zach Schmidt would be a better idea. <laughs> Executing a walk-on kicker. Sorry, I apologize, Zach. I don't think anybody would uh, object to killing Zach Smith. Was it Smith? Sorry. Oh, I thought you were talking the walk-on kicker. From I thought Guinness. you were talking the Ohio State coach. Okay, never okay, mind. that's what I thought Eddie was talking about. <laughs> was Schmidt? I am. That's who I am talking about. Okay. I'd be much more okay with uh, with the other, but you know, whatever. No, I, I mean that's oh, no, the thing. That would, I mean, that would hurt Gabe, dildo cells in Columbus. <laughs> Gabe Gabe Burkich, I mean, if they're going to win this game, he cannot miss a field goal because he's going to have to kick some field goals. They're going to stall at some mm-hmm. point in this game. They're going to be held out of the end zone, so he's going to have to make field goals, which I think he can do. I mean, still. I said it this morning. I'll say it again. Still, the greatest kicker in the history of OU football cannot be argued. Those are the facts. Weather doesn't look like it'll be a factor either. Wind or cold, nothing. By the way, OSU's got a pretty good kicker, too. I mean, the thing about this game is, like, you think that there is this advantage for Oklahoma's defensive line because their offensive line is banged up. But then you have Oklahoma's offensive line. I don't think Andrew Rame's going to play in this game. And then, you know, Anton Harrison, what's his status? I know Gabe has thrown it out there about, or apparently you guys told me Gabe threw it out there on their, their pod about, you know, Eric Swenson starting. Yeah, left tackle possibly in place of Anton. There, I, in... Inside, that makes sense to me. And we, we talked about it a little bit in our group chat. Like, I, I can get there because Oklahoma State has some interior guys that are kind of more power than speed. But the way Oklahoma State likes to bring pressure and the, their edge guys being a little, you know, a little smaller, a little more athletic types, like, 
That's a that's a tricky matchup. I, I I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying I, I I've got to see it. That because to me, if Anton Harrison's had any redeeming quality this year, it's been pass protection. He's I know everybody will say, oh well, what about the end zone last year? Yes, bad, no doubt. But by and large, he has probably been one of OU's best pass protectors. All right, call a little timeout here for uh, Dead Soxie because you know Dead Soxie is not going to be uh, out of the loop when it comes to uh, big-time Black Friday deals, and they've got one going right now. They're running a buy one, get one uh, from now until the 29th. Use the code BOGO, B-O-G-O, to redeem. That's kind of hard to say. Uh, Must put both items in your cart before you check out, so... Put two items in your cart, you pay for one, you get the other one free. Applies to all items on the website, bundles and individual socks. But there's actually a catch here. There's only one BOGO per transaction. So if you, you now you can you can uh, scam the system. They are encouraging this. Uh, just don't put like six things in your cart and think that you're only going to have to pay for three of them. You're going to have to do separate transactions. So uh, if you want to buy three and get three free, that means you put two in the cart three times. That's right. Only one BOGO per transaction. Uh, helpful, Helpful tips on the website as well. Use the code for an unlimited number of transactions. So unlimited BOGOs. Uh, load up your your sock wardrobe for the year. It's an incredible offer from Dead Soxy from now until the 29th. Remember, use that promo code BOGO, B-O-G-O. And as always, stay Soxy. I, here's another question for you, because I think this is, I mean, obviously Oklahoma State, they need Jalen Warren to run in order that fo- for that offense to be effective. But Was he hurt or were they just resting him? I don't know, because Dominic Richardson had like 20 carries and he had like 12 or something. I think it was maybe a little bit of both, but more rest than injury, if that makes sense, Bob. But here's here's my question. So Spencer Sanders, even though he can run the football, they don't design their offense around it. Is and I'm looking at that Baylor game and how much you know how many I'm sure they looked at it how many problems Jerry Bohannon or Gary Bohannon Gary Jerry Gift Jeff gave them in the run game. Is Spencer Sanders at Gary Bohannon's level as far as elusive runner, speedy runner? Josh, I'll let you field that one. Uh, sorry, I was I, – you got you caught me. Uh, oh, my what, God. What are we talking about? God, do we have to do the – can I just say Bohannon? I can't keep it friggin' straight. I'm terrible I with that. I think it's Gary. Don't, don't change the subject that you weren't listening, Josh. <laughs> You're no, I got caught. Okay, I heard Bohannon. What 100- can I say? What can I, what yeah, can I say? Yeah, I, I got to scream could something. Cough, could cough it up. I, I think that... Oh, yeah, Gary, I, 100%. I think that he's he's elusive enough to cause you problems. I don't think that he's as fast as Bohannon, though. No. Well, he is now. I mean, after Bohannon shredded his hamstring. Sure. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that largely because when... Guys, I don't think I gave Bohannon enough credit. I when, did not. When I went back and watched that Baylor game, I mean, I, I, there were I, angles he was out running. I rightfully, like, you know, questioned his passing accuracy, and he's a terrible passer. Mm-hmm. But he's yes. a way better athlete than I thought he was. I agreed. Because there was one, I think Asamoa either had an angle or was pretty square on him, and he beat him to the corner. It was on that touchdown run in the in the fourth. 
And it was like, whoa, okay. I, I didn't think he could do it like that. I knew he was athletic, but I, it surprised me a couple of times. And I don't, like I said, I don't know that OSU would design their game plan around him. I'm just saying, I'm just openly wondering, like, can he beat you with his legs? And I don't he think he can, can the way Bohannon beat OU. No, no. But no. that's a, it's a double-edged sword because, to me, I think he could cause OU some harm. At the same time, the more the ball is in Spencer Sanders' hands, the better it is for Oklahoma, in my opinion. So, like, it's kind of a – I don't know where you come out on that because um, he can hurt you, but I, I feel like if you put too much of the game on Spencer Sanders, kind of like we were saying, OU's not going to win this game, Caleb Williams dropping back 40 times. Same deal with Spencer Sanders. That's not how OSU yeah. wins this game. No, I I mean, I really I, do I think both offenses are going to struggle at times. Agreed. It's just who struggles think, though, the least. It's gonna, I don't think that we're going to look up, though, and it's going to be that 10-7 game that I think a lot of people expect either. I think there will I be think some low points. Of weather, maybe, some, maybe the defense scores a couple points, uh, I, a couple touchdowns mm-hmm. on each side. I, I, I really don't know. I just... Like I, I kind of like the over in the game. If I had to really choose a side, I think it's at forty nine, fifty and a half, something like that. I think it's first to twenty four wins it. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's the little it, things though for me. Like in the grand scheme of things, I just don't trust OU enough to be able to say they're not gonna. I don't trust OU enough to say that Perrin Winfrey's not going to throw a football into the stands. Like, what? Yep. What? what is that? Well, I would say this. If OSU gets dis- to 24, they win it. <laughs> There's an update on my projection. If I, I get, get the get best, 24. The, if I can get the ceiling of both teams, I pick Oklahoma. There, there's no question. Oklahoma right. should it's, be the better team. It's just They're like just you not. said. I mean, it's like we see it every year. We've seen it play out other years. It's like, yes, we're all impressed with Oklahoma State's defense. None of us are saying that they're not good. Like, But when you break it down talent to talent, uh, they don't have a Nick Benito, just talent-wise. Uh, they don't have a Perry on Winfrey, just talent-wise. Um, I mean, you look in at receiver, like they don't have the receivers that OU has, yet – you know, Tay Martin could easily be the leading receiver receiver in this game on both sides. So it's like this is this is the charge for you. Like, can you get those athletes to deliver a maximum performance together that shows that you have the better players, even though they have a better team overall, on the defensive side. Some of the some of the numbers that Oklahoma State's put up defensively, just like whether it be the 20 players, 20 different players have recorded a sack for them. Uh, you add in the age thing. It's just kind of unbelievable. But at the end of the day, OU has better athletes. I, I think that that's a pretty well-known fact. I just, I'm at the point where I can't trust them because it's the 12th game of the season and we've been waiting for this thing to come together all season. I just feel like the joke's kind of on us that they're just all of a sudden going to flip a switch. Yeah, you're waiting they're for not, that moment. They're not close, Lincoln. They're not. They stop them on third down, but they're the penalty. Or right. they have a bust that, you know, just comes out of nowhere somewhere in the secondary. And it's just like, that's what happens. They haven't played a perfect game. It wasn't about to start tonight. 
I, I choose that's, hope. Like I said, there's. I choose yeah, hope. I, I choose life. You choose hope. I feel like, yes. I feel like that's what it is. Like you've got to, like OSU knows these things about themselves. Why? While OU has to hope these things come to pass. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm an NIL dad now, so you know I'm a little helicopter. <laughs> Uh, very upset at Pro Football Focus for not recognizing that Isaiah had two sacks in the last game and only credited him with one. Bunch of f***ing idiots. Well, I, the, after viewing I their really defensive feel ratings... I just, of, I, just, I just, you know, I had NIL dead it there. I, I, I kind of feel that way after watching the defensive <laughs> rankings last week. That I don't know how they watched that tape of Jalen Redmond and had him in like the 60s. What what are we talking about here? Like yeah, that dude was everywhere. Had, like Key, Key Lawrence in the eighties. Yeah, Key Lawrence went in the eighties. He was like seventy seven point four. And I think uh, there was only like two was defensive him. players in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Who had like seventeen uh, snaps or something? I think Delarin Turner Yale was in the low sixties. No, Pat Fields was in the seventies. It was Isaiah, Pat, and um, uh, Key Lawrence. Those were the three players that scored above seventy. No, I don't think I Isaiah don't, did. He was way down. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm talking about Isaiah Coe. Sorry. Oh, yeah, Isaiah yeah. was confusing. Yeah. That is true. Turner Yell just, he's missing too, too many of those tackles. I'm sure that's what knocked he, him. Yeah, he, he, dives, uh, he dives at, at people. Feet, yeah. He, I mean, and he's in situations where he could body them up if he just took a couple of steps. But it's like, yep. it's like the guy that tries to jump in for the fish before it gets to the shore. <laughs> It's like it's just it it is so weird. It's just like, dude, you can make that tackle. Like you're like diving for ground balls out in center field when they're just can of corns, as they would say. He he feels like the guy that finally realized like I'm much smaller than a lot of the guys I'm hitting. I'm gonna start making some business decisions out of here. Like yep. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna stay away from hitting the upper body and trying to go toe to toe with a guy that's got 30 pounds on me i'm not you know i'm not going to hit Brees hall head up i'm going to play a game here and stay on the field and you wonder if that injury early in the year kind of put that in his mind a little bit but again i mean i don't want it all to sound like i'm down on where i think he's playing great yeah, he's football ex- but there's no but i would understand yeah. why the pff grade would go low if they didn't like it sure team. that's that's all fair me. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I really don't care. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I just wanted to point that out. He had two sacks. <laughs> Not one. Let's insurrect the PFF's offices. Let's go up there. Let's cause a little... Uh... Oh, he's not in the Big 12 championship game. Let's go cause a little scene. We're going to have some free, free time next week if that's the case. Man. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I've never, ever considered not being busy at work for, the, for next weekend. Ever. The entire season. Well, yeah, that's awesome for you guys. I'm going to be trying to track OU going to all over the friggin' country, catching up with recruits a week earlier, okay? I'm used to have having one more <laughs> week where all the other recruiting reporters are like, man, they're, they're everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they're in Norman. They're all in Norman. I know exactly where they are. Well, might be doing a coaching search as well, so you never know. Oh, I, I, I mean, we've got to be prepared. Got to be ready. I mean, uh, you know, planes leaving to Baton Rouge like first thing Sunday morning, right? Anyway, Baylor loses to Tech without Bo uh, uh, Bohannon at quarterback. 
I don't think so. I watched that Kansas State game. Their backup was not bad. You played really well. I was surprised that they went up to Manhattan and won. That was impressive. That Eddie, it was a good word for it. Gritty. That was a gritty yeah. win just to kind of go up there and take care of business. Kind of a, a great example of what you see is what you get with that Dave Miranda squad. It's amazing. I think Tram wrote about it uh, maybe the week of the OU Baylor game. It's amazing that they've been able to keep their head above water uh, in the hiring carousels that they've had to go through post Art Bryles. I mean, Matt Rule hundred percent. Dave Miranda has been incredible. Just the fact that they've been able to kind of keep that thing together. Is... Especially after Jim Grobe. Gosh, Jim Grobe. I, th- th- all-timer, <laughs> not acting like he didn't know who uh, Sean, Sean Oakman, Oakman was. was. Yeah. He's, the big, he's <laughs> the biggest guy in your locker room. Uh, who no, who I, is I the guy? So, that... I mean, maybe, te- maybe Tech pulls one out of their ass, but I'd be pretty surprised. John L. Smith or Jim Grobe for obscure, bad situation interim coach? I don't know which one. Jim Both Grobe, pretty bad. Sure. John L. Nobody now, was ever going to win in that situation. Yeah. John L., though, just a, a Michigan State legend. I mean, can't, can't ever lose sight of that. John L. Smith always reminds me, some reason, of Bobby Petrino. I feel like those two are connected. Well, I mean, due to that that change, they were due to one motorcycle ride. If they were still around, they could probably get a, t- a ten year contract. Everybody else is God. Everyone else is. just people. You, if somebody is coming after your coach, I guess the initial reaction is give him a ten ten year contract extension. That's insane. James Franklin, how does he, with the season they're having, following the season they had last year? Get a ten-year extension. How does that happen? I think Franklin's a fine coach. I do, but you needed to give him ten years. You're that worried he about is, losing James Franklin? They are now ten and eleven in the last two years. Now, 2020 is a little bit awkward because of COVID. I understand that they went four and five. Uh, he is also zero and nine against AP top ten teams since 2016, and he just got a ten-year extension worth eighty mil up front or guaranteed. He's Hallmark. Right he plays thing, Ohio State then, tough. Yeah, that's about what he does. I mean, they, they play Ohio State tough every freaking year. I don't know how they do don't it. Nobody him. else can seem don't to do him. it. But yeah, they beat them like once a decade. But you know, they they play them tough and they have really cool whiteout games. But I, I just don't quite. I, I don't. I don't understand the fervor. Mel Tucker. Okay, he's in the middle of a great year. Really kind of turning things around. I still wouldn't have given him what they're reportedly giving him, but like I can at least get my head there. I kind of understand what they're thinking. James Franklin? Like I I'm don't kind of know what I'm he is. You, I'm going to tell you this why he got that deal. And I don't even have to look it up. Because I'm pretty sure I know this is true. Two words. Jimmy Sexton. Oh, Jimmy Sexton is going to own Pappy Winkle when this thing's all said and done. He's rolling in cash he's like the uh the scene out of breaking bad when they're laying in the uh uh garage or whatever with all that money the storage unit or the storage unit yeah. yeah you know who the big winner out of all this is though right ryan day 
Mel Tucker's yes. making ninety-five million. <laughs> James Franklin's making eighty million. Yep. And Ryan Day's making like six point six this year. You think he's getting ready to have a big payday? <laughs> well, I mean, Lincoln Riley's getting ready to make twelve million at LSU. Can we talk about that for a second? Let's do. Let's what else do we have in. to I talk just, about? I mean, th- there's nothing really to talk about as far as like in in my world. But there are people in Baton Rouge that are convinced it's happening. Still, yes. there were people at Florida s- State that were convinced that Bob Stoops was happening. This is where we it, are it's now. Media people that I feel like should have a be decent better. standing. Yeah, they should be smarter than this. the The idea that L- that LSU, whoever is going to pay Lincoln Riley or anybody else twelve million dollars, I just can't get there. Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the only coach that you would pay $12 million to, or that you should. That's almost $3.5 million more than Nick Saban's making this year. Guys, I I can tell you. And you guys know, like, I have some familiarity with that program, kind of more than the average person. There is a feeling, I mean, and I know every school has this, but I've never seen people from the inside so willing to voice it to those who are not. They think they're different than everybody. Like, the passion for LSU is different than everybody else. This is different than about LSU than everybody else. I'm like, no, you're a great football program with a big-ass fan base. Like, you're just like everybody else. Like, I know you think it's different, but it's not different. And I think it floods in to everything they do. Like, it's not crazy town, like, you know, another SEC West rival, but it is definitely, like, we just, we love, we love our team more. We we love football more. Like, they just think they're different somehow, and I don't really, I've never really been able to either put it into words or understand it. I mean, it's just a Cajun A&M, isn't it? There's some, I mean, like, that's, that's, Obviously, who I'm poking at, but I mean, there's some of that, yeah. Not to mention, not to mention, no creepy ass traditions. It's still a school that is firing a quote unquote, and I'm still in a line from Bruce Feldman. They're firing a guy that was one of them two years after he won a national championship. Now, I understand that a little bit of that is his doing because he was seemingly fucking anything that's walking around Baton Rouge. (laughs) But at the same time, I think that there's going to be coaches that look at that situation and almost feel like it's hard to sign up for knowing you could win a national championship and still be given a pink slip in less than two years. Yeah, it's the most pro job there is in college. Just in terms of how they treat their coaches. Like, there's no reverence for a guy that wins a national. I think Nick Saban kind of broke them a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I, so nobody's taking th- it seriously still. We're, yep. we're still all on the same page. I all mean, right. would, would any of us say the chances are above 5%? I mean, Bruce Feldman has come out now twice and said there's nothing to it. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're gonna and, we, and none of us con- are here. contacted Baton Rouge people like crazy. I know all four of us have. <laughs> Nuts. It's because you have uh, all been, these damn... I've been very nice about it. I just like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, there's nobody up here that's taking anything seriously right now as much as you can try and talk yourself into it there's just nothing that adds up and even like i look into like even like the malachi nelson stuff and i know that like i'm making fun of dennis dodd right now for saying that luke fickle's telling players that he's not going anywhere 
I don't think that Lincoln Riley would tell a Malachi Nelson, but Malachi Nelson was just into Norman last weekend. By all accounts, it seems like everything went really well. You know what I mean? It's like they're just there's not nothing sure. that would indicate Lincoln Riley is looking to leave. Not sure Lincoln would tell his family. <laughs> You're true. That's that's true. And that's like <laughs> I think that's the only like sliver of and I I kind of go, oh, yeah, I mean, maybe when I go when 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 you do say something like that, Carrie, and it's like no none of us really know Lincoln. None of us really know what he wants he out is, of. Yeah, he's not confiding yep. anything into anyone. But I did think it was interesting on his coach's show last night. You know, they give him the, uh, what are you thankful for? Uh, I think Toby asked, and, you know, obviously the first thing that comes out of his mouth, thankful for being the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. I just, I thought I got a kick out of that, knowing all the rumors that are out there right now. I think so that'd be a hell of a troll if he then did turn around and was like, and I'm out. Like that, I mean, you want to create some bad blood in future SEC matchups. I mean, you can only judge someone by their actions, uh, and, and I'm 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 as guilty as anyone. We judge Lincoln Riley harshly because he's not good with the media and he doesn't care about the media. Uh, but to do that, I mean, like I can get by. Like, okay, he's got a bunch of responsibilities. Uh, he doesn't want the distractions. He's trying to limit it as much as possible. He doesn't trust his player to not say something that doesn't cause him headaches. Like, all that. Like, I get where coaches are coming from on that. But if you surprise even the people that work for you by just, you know, pulling a Baltimore Colts and just moving in the middle of the night, you're a bad person. And I don't think Lincoln Riley's a bad person as much as we have issues with him over all our media crap. I don't think he's a bad person. And I don't either. I don't either. Hundred percent. No, mm-hmm. no, no, nothing like that. And at the end of the day, I, it's just like, and Homer take incoming, but it's just like, oh, you are LSU. Where do you want to work? Come on. New Orleans is where you want to visit, not where you want to live. I can make the case for LSU. I can. I don't think it's a great fit for him. Like there are coaches where I'm like, yeah, you choose LSU over OU. Get it? No problem. I don't think he's that guy. I don't even know what Baton Rouge is really like as a town, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't either. It's pretty damn crowded right now. I've only seen They're, I've only seen well, it from that bridge. I mean, that's you know, you see the stadium from the bridge when you're going over it. Was that I ten or whatever? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess we'll find out soon enough. I I'll tell good, you this. I'll tell you this. I pledge this right now. I don't know I don't know if I can pledge this, but I will make every effort. If Lincoln Riley leaves to go to LSU, I will be there for his opening press conference at LSU. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say like he burned down his new house or something. <laughs> something cool. And that's a, He does have a new house, too. Yeah. Like a brand new house that just Supposedly finished. Supposedly it's beautiful. So I Do cool. you guys... Do you find it... Would you find it more like... Okay, and I know, you know, we knew about the Bob thing a little bit in advance and that kind of thing. Would it would this surprise you more than that did? Yes, it would for yeah, absolutely. me. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I said that on a Baton Rouge radio station last week. I would be more surprised if Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma right now than I would back in June when we found out, like the that Thursday morning when Bob retired. One hundred percent. It just doesn't make sense. 
And again, with Bob, there were people who knew. There's nobody talking about this. I mean, like, I get that you want to keep it quiet. There were there were plenty of people that didn't know oh, no. that you I mean, feel Eddie like would. I can tell you this. He got tipped mm-hmm. off about it, like, what was it, probably two weeks before it actually happened? Eddie? Yeah. Yeah, there was like a month before that somebody was running their mouth out at Belmore, and I got a text message. But at the time, like, back way back in 2016, it was like you would hear stuff, and there was stuff that you just would dismiss. Nowadays... And I think that's why stuff like this lingers. Well, it's because you have so many, you have so many, you know, kind of charlatans out there that are just yeah, willing it, it, to just keep, you know, keep, you know, pushing this narrative forward, regardless if it's true. Not like that. That stuff didn't exist back then. Now you've got all these YouTube guys and podcasters sure. that are just looking for attention, and they sure. know they're going to get it. It's just like, I mean, it's like I said. The Florida State thing started us down an entirely new 100%. path with all this stuff. It was that stupid lady that you know threw it out there that you could tell she was like some local Tallahassee reporter on like ABC I mean, or something. There was literally a news director at a news station in Tallahassee to run with something like that. Now keep in mind, the fan bases that we're talking about combined with there's a reason why these programs keep cycling coaches in and out. And it's because of these fan bases. Well, I mean, you can kind of see it now. Like, there is that fringe that's just like, I'm done with Lincoln Riley. Sure. He's had his say. And by the way, they're 10-1. <laughs> I mean, even the offensive coordinator thing, coordinator thing to me, that's just like a reach. 100%. I, I might... It, like we'll see. I do think that a lot of the offensive problems have been a product of uh, playing a freshman. I mean, I get that, but there are moments where it's just like maybe you could take some stuff off of his plate. Well, and I'm now not, it I'm is not funny saying, to say I, that, and we're you know two years removed from everybody declaring that Lincoln Riley is maybe the best offensive coordinator and play caller to ever to ever literally ever do it. And I'm not saying that. I don't get why people are saying that. I do because sure. you look at Spencer Rattler, like why didn't he develop more? And I think that's probably a Spencer Rattler thing. I mean, it, you like right. you like look at the breadcrumbs, Bob. Like you go back and you think about the things that Lincoln said about how Spencer needed to keep progressing during the offseason and he mm-hmm. needed to push and all this stuff. It was almost, it, it was him basically telling us, I don't know if he wants it bad enough. Yeah, or that he wasn't the guy that, we thought he would be just yet. He needed to have that dog in him to get to that next level. For whatever reason, it just never happened. Either Spencer's not wired that way, or he attempted to, and he couldn't like rally the locker room. Maybe he doesn't have the, the, the locker room wasn't in full support of him just as the person the player as he is, but for whatever reason, it just never translated. And you're right. I mean, I think, we just thought, oh, he's just trying to, you know, not talk up Spencer, but maybe he was just being, matter of fact, honest. This guy isn't there yet, so you can stop pushing that narrative. Well, and then you have Caleb Williams come out and look so good, and now he, you know, I, I think regress is too strong a word, uh, but he's definitely going through some growing pains. And so I think it's natural for people to be like, okay, I put these two things together. What has happened with Lincoln Riley, the offensive genius that did nothing but produce first-round draft picks? Like, something has changed here, 
It must be this. I mean, everybody's just trying to figure out how to fix it. That's what every, it that's what people do. I mean, that's just natural. Sure. Is it unfair to also point, in, and it just made me think of this when you say what has changed. They don't have a D.D. Westbrook. They don't have a Marquise Brown. They don't have a, you know, even going back to Sterling Shepard with Baker early. The H-back unit has I mean, not been great. I mean, some of their you best can say that, Eddie, but, but they offs to Jeremiah Hall. You can say that, Eddie, but we know Marvin Mims is a stud, and they haven't utilized him. We know well, Mario Williams going to stretch the field. Just hasn't been done. on them, though? I, I've I mean, been you, very underwhelmed with OU's receiver play this year. Agreed. I mean, guys, think about yeah. Think about some of the plays. The I mean, I, I don't disagree. There have been times when Mims should have had more chances and had more plays because he was open, whatever. Completely fair. Completely fair, Josh. there have also been plays that I think Sterling Shepard would have made, D.D. Westbrook would have made, uh, CeeDee Lamb certainly would have made. Like, so he, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a good player. He's not of that level. I don't think he's shown us anything to tell me he's that kind of dude. He's not a guy I think, yeah, oh yeah, one great season, he's a first-rounder. I don't see that for him. I mean, look, there are some, there are clearly some issues with receivers uh, working their way through zone coverages and getting open. Like, we've yep. seen that time and time again. Yep. Did you see the, uh, I think it was one of my favorites, Baldy, Brian Baldinger, uh, breaking down that New York Giants pass play where the, three guys, three, receivers? three oh, guys God. just ran into each other in the middle of the field. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like that's what we're watching with OU's receivers trying to break zone coverage. It's like they just run to their guy and just stop. I mean, and you know, you think of two offensive coordinators, you think of in similar veins, Jason Garrett and Lincoln Riley. Almost the same people, I mean, really, when you think about it. <laughs> well, at least Jason Garrett's going to be around his family this Thanksgiving. He gets to spend the holidays with the family. That is important. That, that's really nice. Oh, Eddie was like, "God damn it, <laughs> he's gonna be around uh, here." Mm. What were you saying, Josh? I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, I mean, I, we're we're a day before Thanksgiving. Well, I'm sure we'll get into some Thanksgiving conversation, but I have seen there is some some uh, trouble in paradise. Oh, we got uh, some green bean casserole. Uh, yeah, I think problems. Baker needs we... to focus on making the playoffs and not. <laughs> Stop talking shit about green bean casserole. How about that? Ooh. Oh, Baker's Whoa. talking shit I, I on green bean one. casserole? <laughs> I guess he said that it's the most overrated uh, Thanksgiving side dish. Holy which is crap. just, you know. A fractured relationship just got worse. This is, this is after I spent a morning saying that the Browns were going to go win in Baltimore this weekend. Like I, I retract my statements now. While saying that he couldn't come up with an underrated side dish because he loves them all, so not only is it overrated, he loves everything but green bean casserole. But green bean casserole, ah, it's a direct Eddie. shot. It's a direct shot, is what it is. This, I might this aggression or cannot maybe stand. You're on man. his list now, and you don't know. You're like he's like your new Patrick Fields. Well, you did disavow him a few on, weeks I ago. I mean, come on, I'm not on Patrick Fields' list. He just blocked me on Twitter. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's probably because I said I'm sick of watching him play football. I stand by that, too. Uh, Patrick Fields confirmed confirmed unofficial 40 listener. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. 
We'll see. I if mean, he, we're we'll, we'll see if he buys a hat or shit not. Shit dishes like macaroni and cheese off the hook. I mean, this is unbelievable. I got no problem with a good mac and cheese, but I don't need it during Thanksgiving. I get that anytime. No, I'm the same. See, I'm the same way. That that's insanity. That's I insanity. and you know what? I'll take it a step further. I didn't know that mac and cheese was a thing on Thanksgiving. I didn't. I've never known it to be that. It's it is pretty, when when you have a lot of a lot of kids. Yeah. Yep. Really? It is. Yeah. It's a, it's a good go to. It's easy. Um, yep, it's fair. something you know. Are we eat. talking like now, just a craft mac and cheese? No. Now, no. 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 See, it it shouldn't be, but it sometimes turns into because my kids won't eat fancy mac and cheese. They got no interest in it. Now I give them that warmed up bowl of mac and cheese. They treat that like it's gold. But a, a nice, good mac and cheese with like some Parmesan and Gruyere and all these great cheeses. Nope, no interest in that. It's madness. I think we're going to Cracker Barrel tomorrow. No, you're not. Yeah. Shut up. No. Are you serious? Yes. You're not. Who is going to Cracker Barrel tomorrow? The fam in Dallas. Okay. Okay. I was like, Carrie, if you were going to the freaking Cracker Barrel by yourself, you're driving to Houston. You can come have fam- You can come do it with the family. Come be a question for a day. No, I'm going. I'm driving down to Dallas. Okay. And, and okay, fair my enough. parents don't want to cook out, and yeah, you know. Oh, and you know what? I was thinking when you said Cracker Barrel, I automatically was thinking Golden Corral. Yeah, that would be. Oh boy. See, I think that's open too. I think Cracker Barrel and Golden Corral are both open. Well, on don't Thursday. go to Golden Corral, okay? Oh. Just promise me. That. I've not, I I think I would have uh, an allergic reaction just by stepping into that place. Like ever since the chocolate fountain was introduced, I'd never have wanted to ever go back. <laughs> if I'm if I'm going to do a buffet on Thanksgiving, I'm really going to commit. I'm going Chinese buffet. We're going completely off the reservation. We're we're going we're going to get crazy with it. I did have a Chinese food craving early this morning, which is weird. I might be pregnant. You have some, I mean, and I'm the, I'm the sex offender. How <laughs> was, how was me finally be getting pregnant as a man, sex offensive? I don't know. You never saw twins, did you, Eddie? You know, that's a American classic with Danny DeVito and not twins. Well, I did it, but I was knew it what you're junior? No, about. it was, it was junior, twins. Junior. junior. It was junior. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, sorry, I got my Arnold Schwarzenegger greats mixed up. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, that movie was not twins? That was not twins. Oh, okay. but, but, yeah, oh, the, Bob's no right. Was, the one where he's pregnant just, yeah, is... Okay. Uh-huh. Bob's right. That was Junior. Okay. I forgot Arnold Schwarzenegger had a movie where he's pregnant. I was trying to show the softer side. Well, he should have just stopped at Kindergarten Cop. Like an American classic. He was never going to beat that. Yep, that that's Uma. <laughs> that the bad guy in that movie still makes me a little uncomfortable. Like just watching that movie, like you know, like things that scared you as a kid, you're like, oh, that's stupid. I'm like, no, I still don't like that dude. He was a good bad guy. Wasn't he the guy that the kid hired to be his bodyguard? That movie, My Bodyguard, like it was a long time ago. Like you were probably a kid when that came out. I think I was a kid. I'd fix it. I don't even Colin- recognize that name. It's an all-time villain name too, Colin Crisp. That's that's good. Uh, I see my bodyguard, Adam Baldwin. That's not that can't be who you're talking about. I don't know. Good, it's been a long time. Good, good, good podcasting here. Let's let's all search. Yep. 
We're on a roll. Uh, what now? How is Pearl doing? Does she understand Thanksgiving or Christmas yet? Oh, we're gonna find out next month about Christmas. But she's just like her daddy, so she doesn't. She's a picky eater. It's gonna be interesting. It's bad. Hmm. <laughs> this is revenge on on me for being a picky eater for all. all well, you kind of had to become a picky eater though, because your stomach Were you always tried that to explode way? on you. Yeah, I was always that way, and then I've just okay. taken it to another level that's even more ridiculous. Hmm. I don't even want to know more. If, if I don't want to know more. Turkey tomorrow, it is a win. Will you eat yes. turkey? Yeah, I, I love okay. turkey. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Bob, you would. God, you'd love turkey. That's that that's brand, Bob. I that I think Thanksgiving's the only meal of the year for me where the meat is completely unimportant. I'm all about the sides. I I'm about the I'm about the perfect bite. I need potato dressing, turkey, gravy, okay, and and then a follow and chase it with a roll. Okay, I thought you were gonna throw cranberry on there no, on no, no, there, no. and that was gonna be. I'm not too a cranberry much. guy. Never have been. Yeah, that's gross. Did you guys see this thing in Utah, the pickle and cranberry pie thing? Yes. I saw your tweet about it. Yes. I that's, see why God that's, hates Mormons. That's horrible. Oh. Like, chew into cranberry and then get the crunch of the bill. Oh, Disgusting. Nope. That's a horrible mouthfeel like situation. To begin with, so, of course, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> oh, I love a pickle, but no. I, I don't think there's anything you could put with cranberry that I'd be like, okay, now I'm kind of interested. Like cranberry like is cran- nasty. Like, do people really get like when they get turkey? Is anybody loading up on cranberry anyways? Oh, hundred percent. Oh, you do? You like? No, cranberry? not no, not me. I hate it. I think it's gross. Okay. My my mother in law, like literally, she's the only one that will eat it. Will make herself an entire like cranberry salad thing Ooh. that she loves. Since and I was I'm, a kid, oh, my mom would. She's put the the cranberry from a can on the table. And I know people, that's the only way they'll eat it. They want that canned cranberry thing. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know the difference, whatever, but that's that's just not a that's not a taste I have any interest in. Not for me. It's like I mean, grapefruit. I don't mind Ugh. cranberry juice. It's See, not- I don't even like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out on all things cranberry. Yeah. Except for the cranberries. Great band. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought of all of us, Eddie would be the one to go to the alt rock band of the nineties? Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing. They 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 have some hits. Oh, I don't disagree. I got I had a you spend high school job on a Friday night in Oklahoma City. You might hear some cranberries. (laughs) I had a my first one of my first bosses when I was in high school. He was like a cranberry obsessed guy. Like had the sticker on his car. And all like he was real into the cranberries, and so okay, when we'd be closing be down, yeah, yeah, it's, it's too much for zombie. me. Now I hate zombies so much. <laughs> zombie, zombie. You know she's now, linger. Yes, linger's awesome. You know she's zombie. The lead singer's dead now, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. sure that's right. Yep. Is that is that right? She. Suicide. Yeah. yeah. She Didn't she? Yep. She died during COVID or something. I don't think it was from COVID, but it was I that time frame. Think wasn't it was it? suicide. No. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I I thought I thought she had cancer or something. Damn. 
Yeah, it's kind of that that stuff was going around. Dolores O'Rourke died by drowning due to alcohol intoxication in January of 2018. Hmm. What ended up happening to Michael Phelps? <laughs> God, um, he's a good swimmer. Out, an outstanding. He's more swimmer. of a marijuana guy than a beer guy or an alcohol guy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so uh, Josh, let's get into Chris McClellan because for those not on the website 24-7, they're just falling for that headline, uh, Florida Beats OU uh, f- on In-State <laughs> Star. Uh, and I had plenty of friends like from out of state that were texting me like, how does OU lose out to Florida on a guy when they don't have a coach? They don't. Pretty, I mean, the most simple answer I could give that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's one of those deals where I want to walk lightly because I like Chris. He's a good kid. I, I've, I, we've known him for a long time. Like it's, it's not like that, but this happens a lot where you see, you know, and, we, and we've seen it go in OU's favor when, you know, oh, oh, you beat Alabama for that guy. Nah, not exactly. You know, like they call and told them he didn't have a spot anymore. Yeah. The hats on the table are not always representative of reality. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, I hate it when, when someone puts an OU hat on there just for a little clout, like, and then all your friends are like, Oh, you didn't like, is is OU going to get this kid, man? These hats on the table. I'm like, no, don't even watch. Well, hat signs and baby shout out. Almost always. If there is a hat announcement and there is one school that clearly sticks out from the rest, that school is probably not really involved. Like if it's Oklahoma, Tulsa, and <laughs> Kansas State, Oklahoma wasn't a real option. He's choosing between Tulsa and Kansas State, and best of luck to him. Um, now, in this case, obviously, all elite schools were among the, the chosen hats. Um, basically, what had happened was over the past few weeks, and we've talked about it some on the pod, was there was – there was still communication between Oklahoma and Chris McClellan, but it was a kind of a, you know, time to either, you know, shit or get off the pot was kind of what it came down to. And McClellan would give OU some indications like, I, okay, I think I'm close. I think I'm ready to kind of make up my mind. And there was a, well, okay, you need, at one point he could have just committed fine. And but as it went it. on, yes. But as time went on, and as we've talked about his senior tape is not, what everybody hoped it might be. Um, I think there was a feeling for some on the staff that, okay, you know, Lincoln's going to have to sign off on this. They're going to have to decide because I really think if he was from, I don't know, Wichita or St. Louis or something, Oklahoma probably would have walked away. His senior tape is just not what you usually see from an OU signee. It's just not where it needs to be. Now, I think Chris has a lot of potential, but you would want to see a little more production than what he's putting on tape. So I think there was a, hey, you need to sit down and talk with Lincoln. You need to give him a call. And that call never happened. And it just kind of got put off and put off. Now, what I will say, Oklahoma handled this really wisely because for those that don't know, Owasso's head coach where Chris McClellan plays is Bill Blankenship, one of the biggest names in the last 40 years of Oklahoma high school football, an absolute yeah, Eddie Carey's exactly right. A legend of Oklahoma high school football. And they made sure they were in contact with him, let him know what was going on. So there couldn't be that narrative that we see sometimes of, oh, you just didn't love this guy up. No, that's not what happened here. 
Oklahoma recruited him, recruited him hard, recruited him fairly. And he just never could quite pull the trigger. And then at some point, OU said, ah, you know, we're not sure anymore. And finally, they just kind of said, okay, we're, we're, we're going to be done here because I, I think there was a feeling that even if he picked Oklahoma, not everybody was going to be satisfied with that choice. And you might end up, and I know I've come with this name a couple of times, you might end up in a Ron Tatum situation where in a year he's in the portal anyway because not everybody was on board with that decision. And not only are you trying to keep Chris McClellan on board, you're trying to keep some other people around him on board. And that's that's fine. Like I said, I've said before, if you're Caleb Williams, fine, you'll deal with that. You're Adrian Peterson, fine, you'll deal with that. A guy that, like I said, you're having to explain away why his senior tape wasn't very good that that's a tougher sell for a coaching staff. So I think OU reached out, kind of let Blankenship and everybody know this is what's going on. This is why we're making this decision. And that way there was no hard feelings, no harm done. They're going to be fine to come back to Owasso anytime they want to. So I, I, I think that is basically the long and short of it. And I know people will be like, well, Oklahoma must have done something wrong. Ohio State had the same issues. There were a lot of people at Ohio State that were of the belief that he had silently committed to the Buckeyes when he took his official visit way back when and just kind of kept waiting for him to make it official, make it official, go public. And it never happened. And the communication started to get shaky and they had problems with that. And again, I don't know that this is of Chris's design, but whoever put this together, instead of going to Oklahoma or Ohio State, two of the four or five best programs in college football right now, He's going to a place that just fired its head coach and is not going to a bowl this year. I, and he doesn't even know who his coaching staff will be or if they are going to honor his scholarship when that time comes. Like, I, there, there were some poor choices made here. That was going to be my question is, take OU out of the situation. What do you make of the decision in, in committing to a school that, I mean, I guess you just say, yeah, I'm jumping in now and hopefully the, the new staff takes me. Yeah, and that's like I said, that's the thing. Because I mean, I mean, what a gamble that is. Like I, I, I talked to some people in Tulsa yesterday, and it was brought up to me, and it kind of makes a lot of sense. And now, granted, they might be in the same situation as Florida, but why wouldn't you just commit to a Tulsa or something, and then give yourself some options in a way? I'm kind of shocked he didn't reach out to Oklahoma State with the way they're playing sure. defense right now, the way they're recruiting in state, like. That makes a lot of sense, but I, guys, I heard talk of, you know, reaching out to Georgia. I've heard talk of several programs that, you know, they, they tried to kind of open the door with again. And I, I didn't hear anything about Oklahoma State. And it just, that's kind of my thing. Like, it feels like perception and reality weren't really working together here. You know, like there was a feeling that this was a, you know, he had the same options in the same timeline as, say, Gentry Williams, and he didn't. He just didn't. And so, and I don't think anybody ever adapted to, okay, this is changing. And, and this is, and now this is where you are when you, you can't see what's real and what's not. We're uh, efforting to get Bob back. He got uh, booted off his internet because he's probably using that crappy company that I use. Uh, <laughs> here he comes. I know he was very concerned uh, through text, uh, Bob Prisbillo joining, joining us back now, uh, because he uh, was concerned that we were going to talk Marvin Jones Jr. without him. 
Well, we mm-hmm. got yelled at last week for not bringing him up. I, anytime I don't mention him right now, it's like, what's going wrong? <laughs> it's not that. I mean, good Lord. Like, it's not that not every day is there interesting notes on any of these kids, much less a guy from Florida that doesn't talk to literally anyone. So what's up with Marvin right, Jones so no Okay, okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, 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 this, this is where we got caught. I was like, okay, maybe Bob has a direction he wants to go. Football account. Uh, yeah. Um, he is up right. for. Okay. I, I don't think anybody it, heard it. something about his mom and the OU football account. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that whoa. didn't come through. Take us, Bob. <laughs> what? He's up for some award or something. She's just sort of tagging, saying, hey, vote for Marvin. And I guess the news is that she's only doing that with Florida State and the Sooners. So people are reading into it that those are the real two finalists. Which is interesting because when I talk to certain sources, the belief is that it's OU and Alabama. And we always talk about, Look at the consistent one. Which is the team that's always mentioned? And I, I, I'm I, not saying I'm there on Marvin Jones Jr. I'm not ready to pull the trigger. I haven't put a forecast in. But with each week that passes, usually as we get closer to signing day, you kind of get, oh, you know, that guy, he's starting to get a little hit and miss on the phone or, you know, this is happening or that's happening. You're not getting any of that here. And I know everybody says, well, his dad was a legend at Florida State and all that, and absolutely was. My, probably one of my three or four favorite childhood football players. And yeah, you were very mad not on, when I asked who was Marvin yes, Jones Sr. I, I, I loved, like, because it was right around the same time as the program, and there's the whole Alvin Mack connection. Like, I, I love Marvin Jones Jr. is just right down my age. Like, he's perfect for my age group. And, I, you know, and... It, perfect for me that I didn't love a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver. I loved an inside linebacker. Like that, that's very on brand. So would he have played um, in that? What was it, in that Notre Dame game? Would he have been on that team when Notre Dame beat them in ninety three? I I think so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I think he yep. won the butt kiss in ninety four. If I'm not mistaken, maybe it was ninety three. Um, but but either way, um. So yeah, he is up for an award. I believe it's a it's a Miami Dade um, like Player of the Year type of thing. Uh, up with some you know with Kenyatta Jackson Jr. and uh, you know another name that OU fans are familiar with. But when I, again when I talk to people, <clears throat> it's just it seems to be moving in the opposite direction of OU's fading here. Like it feels like. OU's just a little more confident and a little more confident and a little more confident. That, that's kind of what I keep picking up. And a big part of it is mom. And like I said, everybody kind of assumes, oh, dad's a legend at Florida State. I don't know where she falls on that. She's not a Florida State fan. She's not an alum. I believe she is a Miami uh, alum. And I always thought that was kind of a funny combination. But I don't think she has the same love for Florida State that everyone kind of assumes is there for Marvin Jones Jr. So, uh, you know, and that's who she lives with. That's who she's around. I, I So I think that's all a little interesting to follow. And um, I, I think Oklahoma has a very real chance here. I think there is, um, even with the uh, kind of an indicator, 
was uh, the visit of Jay Sean Barham, the guy that I alluded to in last week's podcast that I wasn't ready to talk about. I don't know that everybody around Norman was super excited that news got out um, because I don't. I, I think there is a feeling they're in a place with Marvin Jones Jr. that they don't want to do anything that upsets the apple cart. And if that that tells you something there too, because if you're in panic mode, where a lot of people tried to turn that when Barham, just, you know, when that news we got that news out there, everybody's like, well, that must mean no, that that's not what that means. I think Oklahoma sees two really good players, and maybe they could land both of them, and we can get into him in a little bit. But this is this is not a reaction to them being in trouble with Marvin Jones Jr. Oklahoma likes where they are, and from what I'm hearing, they've got good reason to. By the way, when it just comes to, to Jones, okay, mm-hmm. I think part of it is because he's the number one ranked recruit for on for on three and mm-hmm. with rivals, you know, he's what in like the 70s. So is he closer yeah. to top 100 or to like the top 10? He'd be closer to the top 10 for me. I think his tape is elite. I, I he's one of those guys. I just disagree with where rivals has him. I've seen Gosh, him live. Uh, Josh hates. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, again, actually, print the damn T-shirt. We're changing we... now to Josh hates rivals. Actually, I think we can get our contract. Uh, we probably better we, not do that. We need to have one of those shirts where it's like Josh hates, and then it's just like oh, you slash through it, rival slash through it, everything circled. You know, like whatever. Like J- J- Josh Let's is will, willing of, to like wear Oklahoma that. versus everyone. We'll do a Josh versus everyone. I can do that. I'm behind it. Yep, that's that. That is fair. Um, but you know. With uh, I where I lost my whole train of thought. What were we talking about? Um, Marvin Jones ranking. Oh, his ranking. Yeah, he is a the thing. I I kind of came in thinking he was a a pure rush guy, but when I saw him in person, he's uh, he's a bigger, more fluid athlete, kind of longer than I expected him to be. Um, he could. He's one of those guys. He could play rush. He could be you know competing with Clayton Smith. Or he could, you know, turn into the heir apparent to Isaiah Thomas. You know, I, I could see either case. But the bottom line is, I don't see a lot of way he's not on the field next year. He has played elite competition. He knows what it looks like. And he is very, very good. So I, I think Oklahoma has every reason uh, to feel good about what he could do if he can arrive. And I'm sure that's a part of what they're selling him. While... Florida State selling, you know, all the family and the connection, all those things. Oklahoma's saying, hey, we're really good. We're headed to the SEC, and you can come in and play for us very early on. Alabama's the kind of the other team in this. Alabama can't make that promise. They know what they're, what's there in front of them. They've already got a five-star committed to the same position uh, in, uh, is it Jeremiah Alexander? I believe that's right. Something like that. Um, so they, they are they're in very good shape already. As to where Oklahoma can say, "Hey, man, it's it's there for you. Come, you know, come take the spot." And I, I, from what I can gather, it is working pretty well for them right now. I was gonna want to uh, move on. Throw to in the a, visitors uh, of the weekend. This is your segment, Bob. You you own it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's go to the visitors of the weekend. Def- defensive flavor for sure. Anything. That stands out in the immediate, or just another one of the things, or we're just gonna have to wait till signing day. I don't think. I honestly, somebody asked me, you know, do you see any commitments before the end of the month? No. Do I see any commitments before signing day? Not really, right now. That's. I mean, that's kind of the nature of the beast when 
Oklahoma has so many commitments already, and the guys left are rivals 100, five stars, rivals 250. I mean, the, there, there's nobody on their board that's like the random three star. Like these are, they're chasing big game. I mean, that, that, that's really what this is. And, you know, you talk about Devon Campbell. You talk, we talked about Marvin Jones Jr., Jay Sean Barham now, Javante Barnes. Um, you run the list. There, there's just not a lot of guys that they can be like, well, you better jump on board or you're going to lose your spot. No, you don't play that game with these guys. That's the, they are living the opposite life of what I was talking about with Chris McClellan earlier. Like they've got the tape. They've, they know OU's got a need. OU's got a long standing relationship that they, they, they're going to be involved through, you know, through the course of this. Um, but as far as some, some notable visitors, uh, I, uh, everything I've been told, Javante Barnes went really well. Nothing seems to have changed. I still feel good about Oklahoma landing him. Um, now what's going to be interesting is if he's one of these guys that signs quietly or, uh, ha- or if he doesn't sign at all, cause I know he wants to announce at the all American game. So there, there's a lot of stuff that, that still kind of has to be worked out, but, um, I, I like where OU is. Jay Sean Barham is the interesting one. Um, talked to a few people, uh, including some some Penn State sources where I think some people had thought maybe he was leaning a little bit, that there was some real involvement there. And he's kind of one of Penn State's final guys in this class that they're chasing. So uh, I, I get the impression that, that they're a little concerned about Oklahoma, that they think something, you know, some movement has been made. But, um, I don't, you know, he, he's a tough kid to read because literally, you know, I talked about Marvin Jones Jr. being quiet. John Marvin Jones Jr. talks to people. Jay John Barham doesn't talk to anybody. And it is very tough to gauge where he's at with anything. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I definitely, I mean, Oklahoma has a chance there. there there's no doubt about it. In the junior college defensive lineman, Jeffrey M. Ba, I think that, that's how it's said. Yeah, that's what I've been going with. Uh, Jeffrey real, real, just corrected. Real, real quick before you get oh, into him, Josh. I saw him on the sidelines last week, and I think that you alluded to this in the board chat. I legitimately thought he was – I didn't know that he was a player. I thought he was a 30-year-old like father or brother of a player that was there. That, that sounds – no, no, it, it sounds like because everybody I talked to was like, that's a good looking dude. Like, I mean, even, you know, people that are around players all the time are like, that's a dude right there. And he, he looks like a million bucks. He's very explosive. I like his tape. Um, what, what to me is going to be the question is if Oklahoma likes him or thinks they can get something better from the portal. Because like we talk about all the time, junior college ranks are a huge crapshoot. And he's even more so because he played one year of high school football and has now played one year of college football, of junior college football. He is a super unknown quantity. And, you know, a guy that, you know, he's from France. I mean, he came over, you know, as a senior in high school and, and played, uh, in Connecticut. So like, there's not even like, oh, you know, he played Texas or he played South Florida. You know, like you could kind of say, you know, he's seen some things. This is a guy that junior college football is easily the highest level of football he's played, and there's just not a, not a lot of organization there. Um, but I'm not convinced he's a take right now. I think they're going to watch and kind of see what happens. But th- there's no question. OU likes him. It's just a matter of do they like him better than something they could find in the portal. 
How is big that, is, is just real quick, like as far as the defensive line stuff and recruiting goes, Josh and Bob, I mean, is it worrisome that you kind of fall back on the portal? Because you saw what happened in the running backs room. And I wouldn't say that that's necessarily the most healthy situation. I just like it seems like whether it be McClellan and then Imba, is it Imba? Is that how you say his last name? It's like it, it just seems like do you keep kicking the can down the road or it, eventually do you have to take a chance on somebody? I, you know, to me, Eddie, I, a guy that is, has his length, his measurables, runs like he does, that's a chance I can take. That, that, and then if we get something in the portal, okay, maybe we got to talk to one of our guys and they're going to be headed to the portal. Like, I, sure. I, we, we've talked about this forever. Oklahoma too often wants to be the nice guy. Like we're not yep. going to make the tough mm-hmm. choices. We're not going to do, man. That's not the world sure. we're living in. Like, and, and you know, if these guys and and the players have embraced nil, and like this is the flip side of it. You want to be business. You want to act like a business. Business happens. Like you, you're sometimes, man. We we love you. We think the world of you. You can't help us. You, we 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 need something more. We want you to go somewhere where you can play. You can be a a difference maker. But it's not here. And mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to have to just make those cutthroat decisions. And I, I get it. I know these kids. It's not fun. That's an awful thing. You don't want to have that conversation. But it is what it is. And, you know, you're, you're, OU, if they want to get their roster, their 85-man roster, as strong as it possibly can be, you're going to have to start doing some of those things. That's something I think that a lot of people have been wanting for a while. Uh, Josh, how, how big is someone like Derek Moore who just – coincidentally has connections with both Jeffrey and Barham. Is he someone that you feel like you can go to to get an accurate representation of where things really stand? If you mean me, absolutely not. Derek Derek Moore okay. is impossible to reach. Now, if you mean OU, yeah, they can go to him and they can get a feel. And I, I think talking to a few people, I absolutely think um, – Moore has been talking to Jay Sean Barham. I think there is a connection there. I talked to Jeffrey Embaugh about it, and he knows Derek a little bit. Like they they were okay. together for a little while at St. Francis, but I don't get the impression that it's like that. Barham and and Moore are pretty tight. They're they're friends. Like I think that could that could have a role in all of this. But um, uh, coincidentally, uh, you know, I, I've got uh, something in woke today where we we're kind of keeping track of the early enrollees. Huge news for Oklahoma that Derek Moore will be an early enrollment. So that is that's a huge win for Oklahoma to get a dude like he and Dindy are both going to be on campus in January. That's massive for a defensive line with all the turnover that it's looking at uh, going into 2022. So the you know kind of a side note to what we're talking about, but I, I really uh, you know if you could close with Barham and Jones Jr. I I almost don't care what else happens. I mean, you. I mean, you want another offensive lineman, but you get those two along with what you already have with Moore and Dendy. Man, that's a that, that's the makings of an SEC defensive line. Is that? I up? think that'll wrap up. That'll okay. that'll wrap it up. That's all I got. Uh, except for your excellent basketball report that I'm sure Josh would love to listen to. Right, 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 right. Real quick on recruiting, are we just basically in wait and see mode for some of the okay preps kids? 
I guess when I say kids, I'm talking about Deshaun Brown and Gavin Freeman. Is is that becoming more a pipe dream by the by the day? I guess because there hasn't been a whole lot of inaction, or is it more wait and see because OU season's not over yet? And could could bad love mean anything for Braylon? For wait for who? Presley Braylon Presley. Oh, I'm sorry. Or I was like, I, I didn't. Done. Are, yep. you, are we just discounting that? That's totally off. <laughs> Josh that's, checked that's out. He, like, thought, that's, he thought we no, were done, no, no. so he checked out. No, I, I, I heard Braylon, like, that, I mean, that should say something. That's how far he is from my mind. Like, I just, I know that's been around, and I do. I know Oklahoma, in a perfect world, would probably like to take Braylon Presley. Like, I, I, I they like him a lot. There, there's no doubt about it. I just don't think, I mean, if you're having a question taking Jeffrey Emba or, uh, a portal guy or even, you know, even Chris McClellan, you, you need to take Braylon Presley, who's basically Relic Brown. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand how you justify those numbers. Um, it, that just doesn't make sense to me. Deshaun Brown is the one I still think is possible, but like I'm talking about, it, it's a, it's a sliding scale. As Marvin Jones Jr.'s chances go up, I think Deshaun Brown's chances recede. So it's it's kind of one of those things where, again, I, I'm taking Deshaun Brown. I to me that that's one you go get, and again, you find a way to make that work because guys, we can all name four or five guys on that defense that are not going to play a role for that defense at, that as of any consequence now. Maybe Deshaun Brown won't either, but you don't know that yet. You don't. You won't know till you've got him there and you can work with him. And then maybe in two or three years, you're having the same conversation about somebody replacing his scholarship spot. But that's what I'm talking about. You've got to start making these tough decisions. And Deshaun Brown is too good. He's in state, and he really. I mean, like he's come to camp. He's done everything OU has asked of him, even including being patient through all of this. I. I feel like he deserves the reward. Not deserves not what's important. I, I think he has earned the reward, and I, I think sure. I, I I think it could be good for OU to have both he and Jones Jr. And if you can get Barham, hey, great. All, I just don't think you can have too many bodies along the front on either side of the ball. Sure, especially when Lincoln leaves for LSU. Yeah, I mean you have to t- change your whole style of play. Yeah, talk it into existence. What do you do? I think you just want to go down to the bayou. I really don't. I really regret that I made that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you that declaration. Oh, you're gonna love that that drive from New Orleans over to Baton Rouge. That's just that's just nothing but swamp. Well, at least you don't have to. I mean, if he's driving down, he won't have to go to New Orleans. He can just stop in Baton Rouge yeah. and turn around and come back. Yeah, oh, to you're to gonna okay. You're gonna yeah. dr- you're gonna drive it down. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm not paying off that bet already. I'm welching. I'm <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> you still have nothing to worry about. I so. still don't have I'll a go. hood on my car, so I've still got that to worry about. Me and Bunky will go down. I do kind of want Eddie to go, just so like Lincoln's looking through the room, and he locks eyes with Eddie. He's like, what the hell's he doing? He, like, Just the <laughs> moment of like, wait, he's here now? It'd be somewhere in between the, uh, the, Mike, the uh, Michael Scott office gift where he mouths i will kill you <laughs> and or like a scorned lover uh showing up at the wedding of an ex-lover 
If they gave me the microphone and asked me a question, you know what my my question would be? First off, how dare you? <laughs> I mean, that's that, too obvious. Kaling, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Little office. Uh, it would be uh, so. You really are one, huh? Mm. That would actually be pretty good content. <laughs> I think I might have to go with you now to get that on because <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh my god! I didn't actually say it. I just, you know, suddenly all those people that I, tried to get me canceled would be on my side. Some things don't need to be said; they can just be intended. I just, I, I like I said, I think he's too good of a person to do that. I really do. I don't even. I mean, I agree with you. At bottom line, I agree with you. I, I don't even think though that it has anything to do with like being a good person. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's that big of a jerk. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I just don't Unless think he's, they he's really are giving you twelve million dollars, and if they are, that's insane money. I just don't believe. I mean, just us talking about it. I, I, I feel bad for us even addressing it anymore. We've sure. talked about it enough on the pod. I, that's my fault for even bringing it up. Let's but give I a man who uh, is is really working his butt off is fun to watch uh, just because it's so different. Let's right? give some time to Porter Moser. Oh, I wanted him to I wanted him to uh, tear down a net in Myrtle Beach, but you know, I know. For practice for the Final Four. But I guess that. Oh, man, Too many that, bad possessions that in last, the second half. Last Bob. few minutes was ugly, Bob. The the, the, the early and, shots. And, I mean, man, Porter Porter Mojo was just as surprised as the rest of us, and I think that's really the word to sort of use. Just not only the bad shots, but bad shots where you're not running the shot clock down, and from guys you wouldn't expect it: Jordan Goldwire, Tanner Grove, Mo Gibson, Elijah Harkless. Those are the guys that are going to have to carry the load in terms of the leadership in terms of the crunch time minutes and who's going to execute, those are the guys you're going to rely on time and time again. And I think we were just all just amazed at 64-58 with five minutes left. And Jordan Goldwire supposed to be your calming presence that gets you through to the finish line and to win Myrtle Beach. And instead, it just imploded. And I, I think that's just sort of been what we've said about this team is once – they all go into the role we think they're going to go. Everything's going to be as smooth as we all believe it can be. But when you get to have a hiccup like that, it's like, wait a minute. Jordan Goldwire is supposed to be the guy that gets us through this moment. If he's not it, then where do we go? So establishing that voice, establishing that guard leadership, you can tell that's imperative for Moser and the staff to try to instill that throughout the course of this week, and then, of course, going forward. Would you say uh, stock up the highest on that roster for you is C.J. Noland, or is it maybe Shagwa or whatever? I can't even remember how to pronounce it. You got it. it. You, you're all right. It, Shagwa. It, it okay. is Noland, though. It is. There's no doubt. I don't know if he cracks the starting lineup, but I think you get into another uh, crunch time last five minutes. C.J. Nolan's going to be on the floor, and he's sort of earning that with every single game. And, you know, some of those guys, they're already having some peaks and valleys, like Rick Asanza, and he had one really good game, then kind of dropped off. Bijan Cortez, Austin Mason, they've been up and down. So you do. You need Shagwa, you need Jacob Groves, and Nolan. You need to be at least eight deep and then see if you can stretch it beyond. That's the other point of, of emphasis from Moser 
from the Zoom on Tuesday. The depth's got to be a lot better. Yeah, it's fun to play, thir- uh, play all the guys when you're up 20-30, but you need to still be able to count on 8-10 to 10 when it's a close game like, like it was throughout the course of Sunday's game. I feel like and, Groves kind of got a raw deal a little bit in that tournament in a couple of games. Yeah, it, it was weird. You know, he's, he's just to, learning. He's got to figure out a way to stay out of foul trouble. Exactly. He's learning how to be officiated at a level like this. Like, I'm not saying Eastern Washington refs were terrible or something, but like maybe the way they officiate contact was a little bit different and having to adjust. And Yeah, because, I mean, and, and that's why Sunday was surprising too because Tanner Groves fouls out Thursday. And Jordan Goldwire is that guy. That's the only reason they won that game is because he held on to the ball. He made his free throws or else East Carolina wins that one. And then, you know, Tanner plays so well on Friday and Sunday. But, yeah, they're not quite there yet. And what's funny is outside of the gimme tonight against Houston Baptist, you're looking at a four-game stretch that could really give give you an idea of whether or not some of these fans are even going to care about the conference season. I mean, at Central Florida, you welcome Florida to Lloyd Noble, the game from last year that didn't happen. Then you've got Butler. Then you have Arkansas in Tulsa. And we saw, we know how good Razorbacks are. That four-game stretch is going to say a lot as to what we can really expect when conference season starts. I watched a little bit of Arkansas last night, Cincinnati. It was a pretty good game up in Kansas City, the Hall of Fame game. I've watched Butler a couple of times. I mean, they've been playing a very difficult schedule, so their record isn't really indicative right. of how good they are, but that'll be a nice test for them. It might not. Florida won at Miami. They're undefeated. Yeah. You know who? Then, hey, you know who still plays for Miami, right? Cam McGusty. Cam McGusty is still playing <laughs> college basketball, which is just unbelievable to me. Class of 2016. Yep. Still My around. God. He's, he's almost as old as some of those Utah State players. I didn't know that, 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 that Justin that Bean was kid was from too. Moore. Yeah, I didn't either. If he's 25, that means he was like class of 2015 or 14 or something. Like, he's way down there. Like, did you say like that, that, like, that Moser was just like, he was infatuated with how old their, their team was? Almost as much as... as Lincoln and people have been about the OSU defense. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's like, reminded yeah, me of the old. same thing. Yeah, they're old. They're experienced. They're old. It's like all <laughs> these all these coaches are pissed off about all the COVID rules that have made these super rosters of for schools of, of seniors. You know what my uh, my 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 super I, I guess not super hot take, but would it be fair to say that Oklahoma State is the team that everybody thought Iowa State was going to be? That's fair. Yes, yes. All it those, is. all those returning older guys. Yep. It's almost like we just kind of overlooked it, but it was kind of like almost hiding in plain sight. Well, but OSU had not had that level of success the last three, four years. No, that that and that's fair. I, I think that's probably why nobody put two and two together. But looking back on it, it's like it makes sense why this group is playing so well defensively. But offensively, you thought, oh, they're losing Chuba, they're losing Thailand. That, like, last year yeah, was their window sure. yeah. to do it. Nobody Instead, thought Jalen Warren was going to be what Jalen Warren has become. I that That's completely fair. Well, they had that big cel- – it was such a letdown last year because of that big celebration. They'll come back, mm-hmm. and, and then it just fell flat on its face, and Chuba got hurt, and the offensive line was terrible. 
Yeah. Well, it's kind of incredible that, I mean, don't forget that we're almost a year and a half removed from, I I think that there was a general consensus, especially after the OAN stuff. It was like, well, maybe OSU should just move on from Mike Gundy. Maybe they need to separate from each other. Shit, we're three months away or two months removed from wondering if they were even going to get to six, seven wins after they struggled with Tulsa and Missouri State. He's done a, he's done a hell of a job up there. I, I guess this is just kind of the final hurdle, talking about Mike Gundy and, uh, you know, obviously Jim Knowles. He's probably going to win the Broyles Award. You know, what's funny is we've seen all these teams go for it on fourth down against OU. This might be the one team that actually doesn't. Sure. No, That's a good point. They the defense so, so much that if OU can just get them down on third down, they actually might get get off the field. It, it would be, I think, recommended for Oklahoma as any game, and particularly this one, if you want to cast some doubt in that, not only the sideline, but that stadium, you find a way to get an early lead. And that's kind of how you stay in the game. Like, I remember that people in uh, 2013, was it uh, Des Rowland that had the uh, first play of the game called back? They scored a touchdown, Oklahoma State, didn't they? And they got called back on a hold. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Or at least it was a big play. I, I, it, it might he have might been. Have been yeah, inside. But I yeah, it, it is a big play. Yes. I think he scored in 2013. So, uh, you know, you look at the numbers, it's kind of interesting. Some numbers, like the Vegas line, has moved all the way up to five and a half at some places. Then Bill Conley puts out his uh, metrics this morning, and it's a 28 27 game. So I don't think it's going to be like. I know that I've used the word assaulted. I don't, maybe I've backed off that a little bit, but I think it's going to be a really good game and come down to the fourth quarter. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's, it's, it should be a pretty even matchup with all things, you know, considered. But like you said, the penalties that OU had, you know, just the undisciplined play, uh, you know, special teams have not been great outside of, you know, having the, special teams player of the week in Michael Turk. Um, you you get bits and pieces here and there, but it's just not been great overall. Uh, so can they limit that? Can they do that? So can they, they, I'm not saying they have to play the perfect game to win, but they just cannot have a lot of boneheaded mistakes like they've been having, especially in Stillwater with a, with a true freshman quarterback. That's probably going to be a little bit shaky as it is. Sure. And I think that that's completely like, I just can't get to the point where I say, yes, they're going to play this, you know, this fantasy of getting to the point where everybody's expected the same to get and compliment each other. And if they do carry, like, I think, oh, you probably wins the football game. They're the better. If, if both teams played their best game on both Correct. sides of the football, right. oh, you can win this game. I just can't say, sit here and say that they're going to do it knowing 11 times they've been in this situation and they haven't been able to deliver now credit them that it's kind of like the Iowa state thing. It's like they've won their six and oh in one possession games for a reason. Cause they have made plays. You could argue that, you know, you're probably less than 10 plays away though, from this thing, instead of being 10 and one, it's six and four or six and five. I would say this. I would say this. If there's one team that can kind of, well, I'll, I'll throw this out there kind of as a round table. If there's one team that can take getting hit in the mouth right away, which team is it? Oh, I mean, I guess based on track record, it would be uh, OSU. I mean, they were down. They were the team that was down 17 to three in Austin. That was 
seemingly got a pick six to turn their season around. I haven't liked how OU, when they've been hit in the mouth, how they've responded. I I thought last week Didn't, or uh, they two down weeks 28 ago in Waco, to three when, in Texas? When they got hit in the when they got hit in the face, it, they did not respond. I, as it turns out, Texas is just a fraud of a. <laughs> well, that was the example you used, so I threw it back you, in your you, face. No, you're taking away your own point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I I I completely get that. Uh, but yeah, I, it is. I'll say it is just. It's, I I like the way that that older group handles things in Stillwater a lot more than how I've seen Oklahoma handle things in person. It is just sense. extremely messed up because, like. If you took most of Oklahoma's schedule and put it where Oklahoma State played, you might think that Oklahoma was the juggernaut coming into this game. Because Oklahoma's, what do you mean? Oklahoma's coming in off of Baylor and Iowa State, whereas Oklahoma State's coming in off of TCU and Texas Tech. Yeah, but they don't like those weren't those were dominating performances. So were OU's just in different ways. That's what I've been. It was fifty-two you have thirty-one. The best win over Texas Tech out of anybody. Yeah, fifty-two to twenty-one against Texas Tech. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I felt like Tech moved. I'm I'm there with you guys though, as far as defensively. I I think that it's maybe even flying under the radar a little bit how well Oklahoma's played. There's just then you go to the fourth quarter situation. It's like, oh yikes! I mean, even the first possession of every game. I know that uh, I think Jordan started a uh, thread about it on the board. Mm-hmm. Like after the first possession, uh, the first series last week, I was ready to walk out of the stadium. I was disgusted. All the third downs that uh, Iowa State was able to convert. It was just like I don't know. Something happens though. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys will be in Stillwater to uh, bring it all to us. Uh, if it is a win, I would say that it would be the most satisfying win OU has had in a, probably since the Florida game, since the bowl game last year. Yeah, the best. <laughs> Congratulations. Go do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure like Oklahoma State fans will be like, crap, they beat us here. We're not going to win next week either. And that would be like what people talked about before is how fair is it? You have to win on the road to beat them the first time, and then you have to beat them in a neutral site too. That was way back when when they were talking about bringing in a championship game, how unfair that would feel yeah. that you'd have to beat a team twice, but even though you've already beat them at their place to begin with. And that's why you don't stay in a bullshit conference where everybody hey, plays Josh everybody. Oh, we thought you just quit out of uh... – <laughs> Spite. No, because you guys we were just making great segment. points. I just I I hear myself talk all the time. I was just enjoying, just soaking. I was it up. really hoping that you just stormed off and quit. <laughs> no, <laughs> even so my dad. Even my dad trolls me about my lack of participation in the basketball portion of the podcast. You're just not a hoops guy. You never have been. I I was like I always liked that. Well, like every I, everyone is when you're a student. Yeah, I, I just. It, I don't know. Like it, it lost me. It's not, like I just couldn't watch sixty to fifty eight forever. Like I just was like I, I let you lost me. I, I'm not interested. Now they seem to be like I, I maybe I'm gonna get more interested. But the the primary two eras of the last twenty years of college Oklahoma college basketball are just just hard to watch. 
You're an olds, I think. I thought you were going to no, drop there's like a give and Chet take. Holmgren you know, there's knowledge. only so many hours in the day. <laughs> oh, man. It ain't like it used to be. Uh, all right. I think we're done here. Uh, it was nice being with you guys for this long. No Zooms to uh, get in our way today. Uh, Want to wish all you guys and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and everyone out there listening, want to wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving as well. Uh, hug your loved ones. Uh, take care of each other. Be safe out there if you're traveling as well. Uh, and uh, by the way, go get get in on that special on Dead Soxy. Uh, I think that's the best deal that they've ever had. They buy one, get one. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a great deal. So go check it out. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, we'll see you back here next week after Bedlam. Maybe looking forward to a Big 12 championship. Maybe drowning our sorrows. We'll see what happens. Uh, but looking forward to it all. We'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.